Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, we continue today. Alvin, this is serious yes, stuff. Yes, it is. I, I don't like to make history, but in this case, it might be necessary for you, the viewers, and the listeners to help us to make history by doing something that nobody else seems to be doing. Um, the story of Brandon Strock. I spoke to him yesterday, and I continue the conversation with him today. He was there on January 6th. He did nothing. To say he did nothing is an understatement. He's a hero. But he was treated like a vicious criminal. In fact, vicious criminals are not treated this poorly, generally speaking, in the United States. Um, And this is meant to be a chilling lesson for everybody who opposes a certain way of thinking. This is as ugly as it gets. If you wanted to live in Stalinist Russia, you know, you'd understand what it is uh, to, to be worried about what's going on, whether anybody cares, whether the government is for you or against you, uh, knowing that they're against you. Um, and I just want to say what I said yesterday. We have an obligation to share the story of Brandon Strock. So if you're not yet signed up for the newsletter, I am begging you, folks, go to ericmetaxas.com, sign up for this newsletter. We will send you all these videos. We want you to share the video, particularly of Brandon Strzok, far and wide. His story has to get out, and we are depending on you to get it out. If most Americans understood what he'd been through, who he is, and what he went through, I think they would be shocked. There are people on the Republican side who seem to think, oh, bad people did stuff on January 6th. Listen to the story of Brandon Strzok and how he was treated and tell me what you think. Send this to your friends who are on the fence. I'm more interested in what they think. But it is so chilling. The way our friend Roger Stone was treated uh, is beyond, it's, it's almost impossible to believe. But then as recently as a year ago, January 6th, Brandon Strzok was treated this way by agents of our government, people getting taxpayer money to fund them to do these grievous things. If you don't speak up, if you don't do something, you become part of the problem. We all have an obligation to do what we can. The least we can do is share these videos. Uh, As I say, sign up at ericmetaxas.com. You'll get our newsletter and you can share these videos. Now, look, folks, if it's impossible for you to do that, I understand. But I just ask you to do what you can. One of the things you can do also is to support us and our sponsors by going to mypillow.com and mystore.com. Another person who has been treated just horribly, so horribly, uh, is our friend Mike Lindell. His bank shut him down because they don't like where he's coming from politically. We don't do that in America. We've never done things like that in America. We see that in Canada, Justin Trudeau is doing that uh, to these truckers. Uh, who are expressing their God-given right to dissent. We need to do what we can. So I ask you to support Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Use the code ERIC to help support this program. We need the help. Uh, You can go to Nutramedics.com. Half of their profits go to support missions in the third world. These are heroes also. Um, My 
store.com. You can get most of my books are available there with the code Eric. Uh, obviously, my pillow used the code Eric. But at mystore.com, there's a Bonhoeffer poster. These are some of the most beautifully printed, gorgeous posters. And they remind us, unfortunately, we're at a time where we need to be reminded of this. It says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Yeah. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. Yeah, and listen, if you're a guy of a certain age, it's time to take down the Farrah Fawcett poster and put up the Bonhoeffer poster. <laughs> okay. That's, now, now, who would have a Farrah Fawcett? That's very funny. Yes. Uh, or the Evil Knievel poster, there you what go. have you. Time to take it down. But we're living in times where, you know, I, I just didn't think uh, – no, nobody wants to, to live in times – where you have to take well, things like that seriously, I, but I we're back, living in those times. I go back to Barack Obama saying he's going to fundamentally transform America, and I, uh, folks, we're living in Barack Obama's America right now. I got to say, because who I, is running the com- the company, the country? Yeah. Joe well, Biden. That, that's that's kind of the question. Yeah. Is that I think we get we get an idea. Listen, the good news is that people are waking up. Yeah. The good news is that we still have a platform to air my conversation with Brandon Strzok, that he can come to us and we can tell his story on this program. But uh, the people at Fox or Newsmax, they're not banging down his door. I don't know what's going on or whether they will. Uh, I hope that they will. But we're privileged uh, to be the first uh, to share his story in this way. Uh, I know Mark Levin, I should say, uh, Mm -hmm. shared it more recently. So so Mark Levin uh, is the first. But we are... We're wanting to share his story in depth because we want you to know what is going on in America. This should be on the front page of the New York Times. And by the way, if this had happened to an Antifa or BLM protester, you'd never hear the end of it. Right. And I just want to say that if you don't step up and shout and make noise and share these things with people, um, you do become part of the problem. So, uh, as I said, we got to support the team. Um, it's very, very important. Um, the other day, we had on John Zmirak, and uh, we had on Larry Taunton talking on this program about similar things, yeah. about how in the Soviet Union in the 30s, journalists were uh, dramatically discouraged from doing their job. I mean, that's putting it very uh, sweetly. <laughs> they were not allowed to do their job of telling the truth, and people died. Uh, we're living in a time in this country where many journalists are turning a blind eye to the truth or they've they've gotten sucked into a narrative in the same way that many journalists got sucked into the Stalinist narrative. Uh, many Hollywood figures, Lillian Hellman, uh, the playwright George Bernard Shaw, many people got sucked into the Stalinist narrative that, you know what? Yeah, some people got to die, but it's for a good cause. Yeah. History has shown them to be as wrong as you could possibly be. But there are people today getting sucked in. We're no different than the people in the 1930s, whether in Germany uh, or in England or in America or in Russia. We all have an obligation. So the film Mr. Jones, directed by Agnieszka Holland, brilliant film, hard to watch, not for kids, but a great film uh, that tells this story and shows uh, how Marxists are able to manipulate people, manipulate the media, Unfortunately, it has become a story that speaks to us today. Yeah, and I'm wondering, 50 years from now, people will be looking back at us and saying, why didn't they see what was going on? I would have spoken up. 
That, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you would have spoken up, except did you speak up? Have yeah. you spoken up? Are yeah. you going to speak up today? So I, I say, sh- please share uh, the video of Brandon Strzok. It's on, it's on all of my um, uh, social media. Please sign up for a newsletter. We really do need your help, folks. This is one of these moments where I'm simply not sure what to say, except everyone has a job to do. Uh, tell your friends about this program. The interview that I did with John Zmirak mm-hmm. a couple days ago and the interview I did with Larry Taunton speak to this issue as well. I hope you will share those interviews. The good part when you're talking to John Zmirak is even when you're talking about the most gruesome, serious things, he makes you laugh. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're, we're at a very divided time. I want to encourage you uh, that this is a moment where we have to be serious. Yeah. And by the way, next week, James O'Keefe is coming on this program. He'll be in the studio, Uh so more excitement. All right, so you're going to have to share that. So you might as well share this stuff now so your friends don't get tired of what you're sharing with them. But it's important. I just want to say it over and over. It's important. There's a time to be serious. This is it, folks. Um, This weekend, I'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Next weekend, Old Bridge, New Jersey, and then Phoenix, Arizona. If you go to ericmetaxas.com, all that information is is there, my schedule uh, coming up. We have a lot of exciting things coming up, but right now, folks, uh, do what you can to share the story uh, of our friend Brandon Strzok. It is your story. It is my story, um, and we depend on each other. So we depend on you to do what you can to support the team, uh, to support freedom, to support the country. God bless you. You'll take away the biggest part of me Folks, uh, I continue now my conversation, our conversation with Brandon Strzok. Uh, Brandon, yesterday we covered uh, a lot of painful stuff, um, but I know uh, this continues. Right now, you said you were sentenced to, what, three months uh, wearing an ankle bracelet? You're confined to your apartment? Right. So, well, I think the thing to remember, so I was fine. My case got extended five times over the course of a year. And then after the five continuances, which were requested by the government, then my sentencing got delayed five times. So this misdemeanor case ended up getting pushed out more than a year long. And so the relevance of that is, first of all, it became much more expensive than it needed to be and it became much more torturous than it needed to be. But I went to jail in January of 2021 for days in 24 hour lockdown. I then spent a year on pretrial supervision, which, by the way, people may not understand is actually stricter than being on probation. I mean, you can't you can't travel without permission. You have to check in on a weekly basis with an officer. You uh, you have to call. It's it's crazy. So after a year of that, I finally was sentenced and my sentencing was only a, a few weeks ago. So I'm just now, after all of that, beginning my punishment for this. And my punishment is three months of home confinement with an ankle monitor. So I'm not allowed to leave my apartment for three months and I have an ankle bracelet on. Um, Three years of probation, 60 hours of community service, 
the maximum fine of $5,000 and $500 restitution to be paid back to the Capitol, although it was acknowledged that I did not commit any destruction or theft or violence toward the Capitol, but I'm ordered to pay restitution. And I also want to point out to you, uh, Eric, that uh, the government, when the government wanted four months of house arrest, but the judge gave me three and the judge, uh, the government also uh, wanted as a condition of my probation, three years probation, mind you, the government wanted the right to surveil my phone, my computer, my email, my social media and my bank accounts as a condition of my probation for three years. But the judge did not grant them that. And it also, I think, is worth pointing out that when the prosecution uh, came to us about a week before sentencing and said, this is the sentencing recommendation, it was a 30 page document. My attorneys who have decades of federal trial, uh, criminal trial experience said that they have never seen a 30 page sentencing recommendation in their life. One of my attorneys said, I have handled federal cases of about drug cartels, networks of drug criminals. And he said, I have never seen a 30 page sentencing recommendation on a cart, a drug cartel, let alone a misdemeanor charge, a nonviolent misdemeanor charge. But in this sentencing recommendation, when they gave this to us and told us they were asking for four months of house arrest and all of these other things, they actually told us they were like, Consider yourself lucky because our superiors in the government, the, this is the prosecutor saying this, were insisting that you get prison time. They wanted you in prison, but they said, we actually advocated for you and said that we felt that four months of home confinement was sufficient with three years of supervision, of uh, surveillance of your emails, your phone, your whatever. And ultimately, I ended up getting three months of house arrest and and the probation without the surveillance. Uh, but they wanted prison. They wanted me in prison. I, I'm still myself unable to process what, what I'm hearing. Um, it's so disturbing, Brandon, uh, to think that in the United States of America, this is happening. And there are people uh, in jail now Um for, for having done what? I, I don't know. Nothing, evidently, or close to nothing. Uh, we have had people, we've had riots across this nation, people burning, looting, uh, far worse than anything that I saw on January 6th. This is, um, it's the classic two-tier justice system. It's, a, it's simply astonishing to me that in the United States, we could have that happening right now. Uh, there are forces that so despised Donald Trump and anyone who supported him uh, that have been unleashed, uh, and they are uh, obviously still in power, persecuting folks like you, uh, to a much lesser extent, folks like me. I mean, this program was wiped off of YouTube. I cannot begin to imagine why, uh, but this is, this is going on uh, everywhere. Uh, these kinds of things. What happened to you, of course, is infinitely worse than that. Um, I, I, so I'm not sure where to go from here because I, I want to hear about you. You said that there is a civil lawsuit. This yeah. is mind blowing and it's it's madness. It's insanity. Um, uh, it, so is it worth getting into that right now? Yes. Should, should, OK. Uh, yes. I, I really want to talk about this. Yeah, because go ahead. In my opinion, uh, this is to me. <laughs> 
I know that we on the right are not supposed to refer to ourselves as victims or ever because that's kind of like that's our thing, right? That we're against victim minded people. We're against that's we're against that type of thing. Yeah. But I don't really know any other word to use in a situation like this other than and uh, sorry if it makes some people bristle. But I, I in many ways, I feel like I've been twice victimized in this process Brandon, because the reason you're saying victim is because this is actual victimization you are a genuine victim Vi- a victim mindset uh is bad because people who are in a victim mindset are themselves actually not victims you are an actual victim you have been singled out and you have been persecuted there's no way around it that's why when you cheapen terms like victim by using them when they're not appropriate uh, you know, that, that, that that's the problem is that you cheapen actual victimization of human beings. People have been targeted and persecuted. You have been. You are being. Yeah, that, well, that's a, that's an excellent point. And you're you're right. Thank you. I appreciate the the distinction. Um, I, I was saying that I feel in many ways like a, a, a twice victim, maybe maybe even more than twice, uh, because I honestly believed that once I got through this and kind of got to the other side that all of my allies in conservative media would be standing there waiting to say, let's get you back out there. Let's tell your story or or forget about the media. Actually, let's don't. But in addition to the media, I I figured that my fellow activists and influencers and, and people in this movement who know me, who know my heart, who know my character, who know the work that I've done, would be waiting on the other side to say, we're, we're, we stand beside you and, and you're not alone and you're not. But that honest, that really hasn't been the experience at all. I feel very much alone and I feel now, very much betrayed. I want to I want to get into that, because when I heard I, I had wanted to reach you for months. And again, this is not a, a conservative radio program or conservative TV program, although I don't shrink from it. And oftentimes we do talk politics. So maybe some people think uh, that I'm a conservative talk show host. I'm I'm a radio host. We talk to all kinds of people about a lot of things. But when you talk about conservative media, um, it is astonishing to me that uh, people wouldn't have been clamoring uh, to get you on. And I uh, I, I want to talk about that. I mean, you said that Mark Levin had you on and, and people can go to his website and there's more stuff there. But other than Mark Levin, uh, who, who would you have expected uh, to reach out who hasn't reached out? Well, I'd say primarily Tucker, of course. Uh, it's kind of shocking to me because he's he's one of the few people who's actually talking about January 6th and trying to find the uh, the stories that are not being told and trying to find, you know, the other angles to the story besides the left wing narrative about that day. And here you've got someone like myself who I've appeared on his show numerous times. Uh, I've appeared on the Fox News Network more than 75 times in the last couple of years. Uh, again, I'm a pretty uncontroversial figure in that world. I mean, the Fox News audience loves me and has loved me. It's not risky. There's no risk. And so I think I don't understand why they're they're unwilling to 
to just let me tell my story. And as I've said all along, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not asking for an endorsement. I'm not asking for Tucker. I'm not asking for anybody to have me on and say, you did nothing wrong. Your actions were perfect. But this is news. I mean, what has happened to me is news. Yeah. This is a story. And so I, I don't understand why, you know, someone like Tucker or or Fox or whatever, they're willing to to talk about January 6th and they're willing to talk about who is Ray Epps and who and what. How is well, the listen, that, Tucker, we know Tucker's a, a, a good guy and I suspect uh, that he will have you on and I'll be happy to contact him. The whole story is so astonishing and so difficult. And it's a but it's a blessing that you're willing to walk us through it. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brandon Strzok. Folks, I hope you'll help Brandon Strzok financially. Visit him at brandonstrzok.com. It's S-T-R-A-K-A, brandonstrzok.com, S-T-R-A-K-A.com, brandonstrzok.com. We'll be right back. Folks, I'm talking to Brandon Strzok. Um, so, Brandon, you said that um, you feel lonely. You don't feel that uh, people have been le- letting you tell your your story. Uh, and I, it's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that I get to do that because people in America need to understand what's happening. Um, the uh, there are voices in the conservative media, uh, even like Ben Shapiro, who have said really negative things about the January 6th folks that they, something, you know, throw the book at them or something. And I, I try myself to process how they are perceiving things or what world do they live in and who do they think was there on January 6th? Uh, I don't mean Ben Shapiro specifically. I mean, just generally speaking that there are many um, we know that there are many conservatives that uh, I don't know if it's the Pence wing or the I don't know what wing they think they are. The National Review wing. They don't uh, they don't seem to think the way you do or or I do. Um, but anyway, d- keep keep telling us uh, your story because it's it's just good for us to try to process this together. Right. Well, you know, the example that you use with Ben Shapiro and other people, I mean, this is what happens when when the right wing media or conservative media doesn't do their job. This is what happens. So to me, I think Ben Shapiro's a, a good guy. I like Ben Shapiro. But I think th- based off of comments like that, it's obvious to me that he's buying into the left wing narrative about January 6th and not accepting any nuance, which is my whole point here. If you smashed windows or if you har- you harmed somebody or if you did damage, I think you deserve to be prosecuted accordingly for that. But I don't think if you're somebody who was standing outside of the building and didn't do anything violent or destructive and you got charged with nonviolent misdemeanor uh, disorderly conduct, as I did, you deserve to be labeled a terrorist and an insurrectionist. And that's what's happening right now. It doesn't matter if, if you got arrested for jaywalking on January 6th. You're an insurrectionist. You're a terrorist. There's no nuance. No people are, are kind of separating out who did this and who did that. It's just because the left wing media is saying, oh, 750 people have been charged for the insurrection. Well, my contribution to the insurrection was nonviolent disorderly conduct. So how does that square? But with even, the you say, even saying disorderly conduct, I mean, you've been forced effectively uh, to accept this preposterous uh, 
statement that that you are guilty of, of disorderly conduct. It doesn't strike me uh, as a common sense individual that you're guilty of anything. Um, I mean, you, you've you've been forced to accept that, but it really doesn't um, it, it doesn't make sense to me that even those who are guilty of disorderly conduct, people do terrible things every day. But the idea that they would be persecuted like this for the kinds of things we're talking about, it's against everything we believe in in this country. This is, is. political persecution. It and is. I guess my question to you, uh, if you have any thoughts, is what what we can do about it. I mean, who are these forces? How dare the FBI treat you like this? How dare they treat you like this? Roger Stone, another friend, was was treated extremely grievously, stunning level of intimidation, uh, terrorizing tactics. Who is behind this? I mean, that's really the question is who is behind this and how did they get the power they have? Well, I I couldn't begin to answer what where the root cause of the whole thing is. But I can tell you, we're never going to find out if we continue to ignore stories like mine or allow the left to completely run with these narratives and then never counteract them by allowing people to tell their stories. You know, this we end up as conservatives constantly being in a position. And I, I don't know if you identify as conservatives, but I, as a conservative, always feel like we're in a position where we're reacting. We're constantly reacting to everything that that they do. And then we never get to the bottom of anything because we're spending so much time kind of ducking and weaving and dodging bullets and never asking questions. And even I'm sorry to say, but for everyone out there who's saying, oh, just wait until we take the house and wait until we get a Republican back in office. I'm not so sure. I really don't have any confidence whatsoever that if we take the House and the Senate and the White House in 2024, that anyone will ever investigate what actually happened and who act, where were the security breaches? Where did things go wrong? Who was overcharged with things that they never should have been charged with? I know President Trump has made comments about uh, pardoning people. That would be wonderful. I'm not going to sit around holding my breath. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's there's a lot of talk and very little action on our side of the aisle. I, I the most recent I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Ted Cruz, um, you know, got in trouble for saying that what happened on January 6th. I don't remember exactly his term. You probably did. But that it was something terrorist. And I thought to myself, this is Ted Cruz. Ted yeah. Cruz, theoretically, one of the better guys. Right. One of the good guys buying into this narrative. And that's why I want to challenge people. If you buy into this narrative one tiny bit, one millimeter, you're guilty. We can't do that. Uh, We can't pretend like, yes, yes, horrible things happened. Show me the horrible things that happened. We stand against horrible things, vandalism, murder. We don't really have to talk about it. We all know where we stand on those things. Um, So I'm with you uh, on that. Uh, We're going to go to a a break here. Uh, Albin, is this the 630? Yes. Yep. Yes. We're going to go to a break here, uh, folks. I want to remind you, uh, our website is ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And please go to brandonstrock.com. It's S-T-R-A-K-A. S-T-R-A-K-A. Brandonstrock.com. And help uh, Brandon out uh, this is not just Brandon's story. It's our story. We're all part of this. We're all in on this and we all need to help each other. We'll be right back. I just want to see this is my- 
I'm talking to Brandon Strock, uh, uh, Brandon, um, chilling story, but we haven't even really got into the civil suit. Right. This is the most preposterous thing of all. You mentioned it uh, yesterday. Uh, you are being charged with all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's sheer madness. Why? Who do you think is behind this? Well, that's one thing, again, I would love to get to the bottom of and that I hope that some investigative journalists or heavy hitters in the conservative media start asking those questions. I I really hope that that happens, because what has happened is uh, a a law firm in uh, D.C., very well funded, very big operation, something that, you know, it's like uh, David versus Goliath for me. Uh, They have put together this lawsuit in which uh, I call them a social justice warrior law firm, because if you go to their website, what you'll see is that they're primarily focused on suing people for civil rights violations. And which is a good thing in, in theory, except that this is obviously a very progressive and leftist mindset, because if you look what they're saying on their website is that they're going after white supremacists, uh, they're going after domestic terrorists. And this, these are all buzzwords for Republicans and Trump supporters. So this is a, uh, in my opinion, a Democrat Party funded uh, nonprofit law firm, which is abusing the law to engage in lawfare to hurt people who are of an opposite political ideology as themselves. And so in the month of September, they served me in this lawsuit. And I can't prove this, but what I believe happened is that they went out, they found seven Capitol Police officers who happened to be black and brown people, said, we'll cover all the expenses, uh, we'll represent you, you don't have to do a thing. But but basically be a plaintiff in this lawsuit in which we are going to allege that dozens of people engaged in a racially biased hate crime attack on black and brown police officers on January 6th. We're going to call them white supremacists and racists, and we're going to claim that they attacked you and you just have to go along for the ride. That's what I believe happened. And so in this lawsuit against me, I'm not making this up. They are claiming that I violently breached barricades to enter the Capitol grounds and proceeded to physically attack uh, police officers, including the plaintiffs. Eric, I have never met these people. I did not see them on January 6th. They did not see me on January 6th. They were working, as far as I know, on the opposite side of the building than I was on. I didn't know you didn't do this. So I guess my question really is, why are they putting you through this? And others, what is the end game on their side? Two because reasons. They're forcing you. Look, I've been sued. I don't, I can't talk about it, but uh, you know, I know what I've done and, and haven't done. The fact is that there are people who use uh, our friend, Mike Lindell first uh, used the term lawfare. I, I, I heard it from him first. They're basically using money uh, to manipulate the legal system, to punish people they don't like. That's what it is. And exactly. it's technically legal to do yes. this. And that's what they're doing to you. 
Yes. Well, and I couldn't believe it when I had. So I had to hire civil lawyers in addition to my criminal lawyers. And I couldn't believe it when my civil lawyer, I, I told them, I said, look, I have a video like every moment that I was on the, the Capitol or that I was at the Capitol. I, I, I recorded. So I said, can't we just show the judge that I walked onto the grounds and I, there were no barricades. I wasn't violent. I didn't touch anybody. I didn't assault anyone. I can prove that. And my lawyer essentially told me that's not how civil law works. The judge has to assume that everything that they're saying is true. And then we have to come up with reasons to dismiss the case based off of the assumption that their narrative is true. It's maddening. So I have now spent tens of thousands of dollars on attorneys and we haven't even gotten to the hearing to dismiss the case yet. And God forbid if this judge and I'm not hopeful if this judge says he's not going to dismiss the case and that we're going to move forward. I'm going to have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars going to trial to prove that I didn't physically assault these people who I've never met in my entire life. And that is what this is for. Number one, it's to bankrupt me and to cause me uh, emotional and psychological distress. And two, it's to try to they're also suing Donald Trump. So they're suing Donald Trump and Roger Stone and a number of other people, including myself. And they're basically claiming, in addition to the physical assault lie, they're claiming conspiracy. So what they want, I think, is the right to be able to subpoena our phone records and our conversations to try to see if I was talking to Donald Trump or if I was talking to Roger Stone or whatever and try to humiliate us, I think, in the press by releasing our text messages and releasing our emails. Now, as it turns out, I didn't have any conversations with Donald Trump or Roger Stone or anyone else because I didn't know January 6th was going to happen. Just like most people, I believe, in my opinion, it was a spontaneous riot that broke out among a very small group of people out of hundreds of thousands that were there to peacefully protest. Uh, Forgive me for having common sense, But that's what I believe January 6th was something that happened that was sparked. It was terrible. It shouldn't have happened. It was horrible. But there was no deep, dark plot that's ever going to be unearthed in which people were communicating with each other about. I actually wonder whether there was a deep, dark plot on the other side to instigate this. That's that would be my best guess at this point. There's a film uh, called Capital Punishment, uh, which. we uh, we interviewed the director on this program. And if you watch that film, you get the distinct idea that there are dark forces on the other side. Listen, if the FBI can send eight people to your home in Nebraska to do to you what they did to you, it's astonishing the power uh, and the money uh, that is being used to persecute Americans who love uh, freedom. It's It's absolutely astonishing. But that sounds to me... Uh, like what is behind at least part of this, that this that, that there were there were people involved in this thing who were they were they were doing something. They were planning something. But I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it. You're right. Well, Eric, let me say, too, you know, if I had it my way, this civil case will be dismissed so that I can begin the process of moving on with my life, which is what I want more than anything in the world. Here we are more than a year after January 6th. And this is still going on. Uh, But I will say to the to the audience out there listening and to the public, if the judge does not make the decision to dismiss at least my portion of this case, then I really hope that the American public will get behind me because I actually will be forced into a position where I have to defend myself. And if I have to defend myself, the upshot of that is 
we, my attorneys and I have the power then at that point to depose people. We get to depose maybe wow. members of Congress. Okay, hang on. Let's, let's, uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back uh, and we will let our friend Brandon Strzok continue these thoughts. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. We've been talking to our friend Brandon Strock. And remember, it's spelled S-T-R-A-K-A. It looks like Straka. S-T-R-A-K. Um, we still have a bit more with him coming up. Um, in our next segment, by the way, we're going to do every week, hour two, Thursday, we do Ask Metaxas. Yes. If your radio station only plays hour one, of the Eric Metaxas show. First of all, of course, we spit on them metaphorically and we say, shame on you. Uh, you should write letters to them or you should let them know you want both hours of the program. P.S. What are you crazy? Yeah. And um, in the meantime, you can go to metaxastalk.com and you can listen to this program. I think you can listen to this program on Spotify everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. So you can get both hours of the Eric Metaxas show. But I hate the idea that there's some uh, radio stations around the program. I, I don't know what they're doing, but they only play hour one. Uh, even in New York, I'm very sorry to say they only play hour one. It's from 11 p.m. to midnight and hour two, which is coming up any second. Yes. You're not going to hear Ask Metaxas. And oh boy, have we got some whoppers for you in Ask Metaxas. So in oh. hour two today, um, Right after this, we've got Ask Metaxas. That's the 10-minute segment. Then we're going to talk to Brandon Strock for two more segments to finish up that story. And I want to say, I want to stress to you, we need you to share his story. So we posted it on social media, all over my social media, wherever you follow me, Gab, Parler, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, or even easier, uh, you can just sign up for our newsletter. And when you get the newsletter, it'll be right there. You can click on the link. It's a Rumble video and you can share it. I hope you will share it, folks, because this is the most chilling, horrific nightmare in our modern lives in the United States of America that these things are happening. And by the way, he's far from the only one, but yeah. he's a friend and he gave us the opportunity to tell his story. Yeah. So we need you to do that, to share his I, story. I, I'll tell you about 30 years ago, I read a bunch of Solzhenitsyn books, uh, you know, uh, Cancer Ward, First Circle. And I'll tell you what's happening in this country mirrors what's going what's going it, on. It's very it's, hard to believe we could yeah. even say something like that. But yeah. the fact is, if, if you're familiar with that literature, if you're familiar with George Orwell, you, you begin to see yeah. how that can happen. And this is how it is happening. So please share that. We're out of time. When we come back, ask Metaxas. Hey, folks, talking to Brandon Strzok. Brandon, just keep going. You were, you were talking about the fact that in this preposterous civil lawsuit against you, that, that if it's not dismissed, which it should be, but if it's not that you and your attorneys would then have the opportunity to depose people on the other side. 
Absolutely. And, and again, I don't want to behave this way. I don't want to have to engage this way, but I, I'm literally being pushed into a corner where I have people with a lot of money and a lot of power who are trying to claim that I am somehow a conspirator to create January 6th. And so in an effort to defend myself, what I am saying is that realistically, I'm going to be forced to have to depose possibly members of Congress, possibly members of the sitting house and ask them what they knew in advance about security measures. What did they reject in terms of security measures that contributed to the cause of this riot that got out of control on January 6th? These are things that I would be forced to do to have to defend myself. And so in a way, again, I hope it never goes that far because the right thing to do would be to dismiss my part of the of the case. But I'm saying that should the judge not make the decision to dismiss my case, I hope the American public stands behind me because in that event, we'll be in a position to almost be the anti-January 6th committee and actually try to get to the truth of what actually happened by deposing people under oath and making but, them, them answer the questions of what they but know. How crazy that it falls to you. I mean, when you think about it in the scheme of things, who are you? You're some guy. I mean, the idea that it would fall to you to get to the bottom of this. Don't we have senators and congressmen who ought to be doing everything they can to get to the bottom of this. This is what I don't understand. I, I'm not They're too busy. Sure. They're busy partying at Mar-a-Lago. Believe me, I've been following their their social media accounts all year. I mean, even the ones who are virtue signaling all year about how much they care about the January 6th people. Every time I open their account, they're at Mar-a-Lago in a ball gown or Mar-a-Lago. In a, and I'm just like, can you guys stop partying for five minutes and actually help the people whose lives are being destroyed over nonviolent misdemeanor charges for January 6th. I, I mean, the number of Congress people that I have reached out to by email, by phone, by Twitter, and some of them have responded to me, mind you. It's not just like, oh, well, we didn't get your message. Many of them have gotten the message and made a decision to do absolutely nothing to help in this situation. Now, I'm not saying that they could make all my problems go away, but I can tell you it would go a very long way to even pick up the phone and say, we're standing beside you. Please don't be afraid you're not alone. I would settle for that. Are, are there are there none? In other words, I think of a hand, I can think of a handful off the top of my head of senators and, and, and congressmen who uh, I would think are, are are heroic. They get it. But you're saying that none of none of them. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying none because that wouldn't be fair. Uh, what I can tell you is that I reach out to Marjorie Taylor Greene. I reach out to Lauren Boebert. Uh, I reach out to Ken Calvert in California. And I reach out to Matt Gates and I reach out to Ted Cruz. I've reached out to a number of people. Uh, I got zero response from Ted Cruz, which was not a surprise because Ted Cruz has never responded uh, to any attempts that I've made to try to seek help for a number of things that have happened over the years. Egregious violations of things that he himself claims to care about, uh, like social media censor censorship and suppression. Uh, and I've never gotten a response from him on anything. And uh, I did get a call back from Lauren Boebert and I did get a call back from Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I can say that they were caring and they were um, they they cared. They understood. Uh, but the message seemed to be that overwhelmingly people are scared. They're just they're scared to get involved. They're scared to 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 do try to take any meaningful action to try to help. Now, I want to be clear, people should not run out and and start attacking Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert because at least they called me back. 
They did call me back when others didn't. And Congressman Ken Calvert also got on the phone with me and he also took a few steps. Uh, he said, try reaching out to this person, try reaching out to that person. And ultimately, it didn't really end up being of great benefit to me. But again, at least he tried. Uh, but other than that, no, it's been radio silence. And I would have loved to have heard, uh, I've gotten a phone call from Matt Gates because he did respond to me when I reached out to him. He asked me for my phone number and I followed up numerous times and said, uh, are you going to call? Are you going to call? Are you going to call? And that call never came. Uh, but, you know, Senator Cotton, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, there are people I'm convinced, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, who who see things, uh, who, who understand what is happening. Um, there are there are good folks out there. Yeah. But uh, but we have to hold our feet to the fire. We have yes. to make them we have to make them fight. Uh, I don't see. You know, what, what you were saying uh, is that if, you know, if we took the White House and the Senate, the I, I really wonder when the American people hear stories like yours. I mean, there, there are many stories similar to this, that when you hear them, your blood boils and you just think if, if you're not fighting to right these wrongs, why would we ever vote for you? Why would we ever want you uh, to, to represent us? What good are you? I mean, I would love Mike Pence. Uh, to uh, to to do something about this. I mean, I really don't know what the what is there about your story that somebody like Mike Pence would disagree with. That's what I don't understand. Is it all about narrative that I don't want to get near that narrative? I have to be yes. on this side of that narrative. Yes, because what has happened is, as per usual, not just with January sixth, but with just about everything, the our side allowed the left to create a narrative very quickly run with that narrative. It became sort of the ubiquitous narrative about that day. And again, we've lost all ability now to have any nuance. So if early on, and I mean, literally within the first week or two weeks when the FBI was raiding and arresting people, if our side had made a concerted effort and, and you know, all hands on deck effort to get out and say, look, some people deserve to be arrested. Some people deserve to be convicted. Some people did violent, terrible things. And that needs to be looked at. But some people walked in an open door. Some people didn't even walk in an open door. They stood outside on the steps. But every single person who got arrested is being treated with the, the same level of, oh, you're a terrorist, you're an insurrectionist, and now it's out of control. And I don't know that it can ever be reversed and gotten back under control. But yes, that's the problem. Uh, whether it's Fox News, whether it's uh, uh, Mike Pence, whether it's members of Congress, they don't want to get anywhere near me because I have a January 6th arrest. It doesn't matter that it's a nonviolent class B misdemeanor disorderly conduct charge with the judge who, by the way, didn't love me. This judge did not love me at all, but she herself referred to this as a petty offense. I was arrested and charged on a petty offense, but people don't want to associate with me because it's a January 6th petty offense. So you have people with no spine who on our side of the aisle, who are not willing to stand up and say, look, we've got to start creating a little bit of nuance here. We have to start saying that people who are arrested on nonviolent petty offenses, who are now on terrorism lists, who can't travel without being harassed by the government, who've had all of their financial streams shut off, their careers ruined and destroyed over a petty offense, nonviolent misdemeanor. Maybe we should be speaking up for these people. And by the way, it's Brandon Strzok the founder of the walkaway campaign, the guy who spent three years trying to fight for this country and save uh, unify people and, and fight against the Democratic Party. Maybe we shouldn't abandon him. 
<laughs> maybe maybe well, we should have is, his But back. again, this is this is a very clarifying moment we're in uh, in the United States of America, where we're seeing that um, I, I wrote a book about uh, a German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and that story is horrifyingly similar. What happened in Germany in the 30s, how people just look the other way. They just said, well, I don't want to get involved. Uh, let, let those people just be taken away to a concentration camp. I, I, I don't want to go to a concentration camp. I don't want to stick my neck out. And uh, we, we've heard this, you know, the, there are many quotes. Uh, all we need for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That's what we're talking about right now. Yes. And, and I, I think when you mention some of the names, we've mentioned a number of names here, people have to have to decide do they want to do the right thing? Anybody who co- claims to be a Christian and to believe in the God of the Bible, for example, if, if you claim that you believe in the God of the Bible, you should have no fear in doing the right thing. And now is a test of people's faith. There are people listening to this program, Brandon. They could go to brandonstrock.com and they could cover your legal expenses times 10 and they wouldn't even feel it. Yeah, I wonder if those people uh, are going to listen to this radio program much longer. There are plenty of people out there, folks. If you don't get busy, if you don't understand that you're in a war and that God has blessed you to be a blessing, if you don't use your time, your freedom, your voice, your money for God's purposes uh, to stand for justice, to stand against injustice, to stand with people who have been victimized, you're useless. Your Bible studies are useless. You're a Pharisee and a hypocrite. If our faith does not have legs, if we do not use what we say we believe to drive us to action, I don't know why we wasted all our time at those Bible studies and in these church meetings. Um, we're living in a weird time. Folks, go to brandonstrock.com, S-T-R-A-K-A.com, brandonstrock.com. We'll be right back. Hey there, folks. I'm talking to Brandon Strzok. Brandon, wow, 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 wow. Um, Hard to process what you have been through and hard to process that there are many voices that are silent when they might be speaking up for you. I want to encourage people, folks, the reason you have a voice, the reason you have what freedoms you have is to use those voices, those freedoms, whatever you have for those who don't have them. Otherwise, you're not doing with your voice and your freedom and your money and your energy and your talent, what God gave it to you for. Um, We just got a few minutes left, Brandon. What else can we talk about that we haven't yet touched on? Well, I would like to sort of expand on what you were saying at the end of the last segment, because I think it's really important. So I want people to understand that what happened to me is it is unfathomable and it's unbelievable, but please don't just listen to this story and feel sorry for me or, or, or feel because my story is, should be viewed as a cautionary tale as far as, as, as I'm concerned. And what's really scary. 
I think about my story is that just like, just as with everything, every time the left does something or persecutes someone or engages in some egregious behavior, we, as the public at large, the American people teach them what they can and cannot get away with. Just as when everybody complied with every COVID mandate and restriction, we taught them that they can shut down a government, they can shut down your business, they can illegalize uh, your right to have bodily autonomy. They, we have taught them through this situation that they can take somebody who is a very high profile and very well-loved public figure in the world of conservative politics and make him disappear. And nobody will say or do anything about it. And if they can do that to me, imagine what they can do to all of you who are not famous or well-known or high-profile people. They can come and get you and make you disappear. And no one will say anything or do anything to support you. But if we actually showed them by example that they cannot do this because we will all stand up and stand together and fight for one another and defend one another and not allow this to happen, they wouldn't be able to get away with this time and time and time again. But all that has happened with my story in my case is we have shown them on a very big and large and public scale that they can now do this to anybody. And the next person they go after will be a bigger name than I am and a bigger name than that until everyone starts disappearing and then there's nobody left to speak for you. And that's really the truth of the situation. Well, that's the, that's you're uh, alluding to the famous uh, poem by pastor Reinhold. I'm sorry. I was going to say Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, Martin Niemöller, who was friends with Bonhoeffer about whom I uh, have written and whom I just mentioned. That's exactly what happened in Germany. Uh, That's what happens. Uh, if, If people, say, not me. Why should I speak up? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sit this one out today. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want my, uh, you know, ability to travel, my ability to 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 move funds around to get even threatened. Folks, if you're not in the battle, you're guilty. You are part of the problem. We have to live that way. That's what it is to say we believe certain things. We have to live them out. Uh, we, we have to live them out every day. And this is a teaching opportunity in the United States of America for us all to see what happens, what can happen. Um, and most people say, well, it hasn't happened to me. Well, it will happen to you if you don't join the fight, if you don't get serious um, about it. Brandon, do you have other um, do you have plans to be on other conservative media? Are there other folks that, that want you to tell your story? Is it just so far Mark Levin and this program? Well, the uh, the the options have been very limited, very, very limited. But, yeah, there are a number of people who are willing to stand up and speak out. Um, I just finished an interview with uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Um, I have one coming up with my good friend David Harris, Jr. Uh, Blaze Media has uh, covered it with Mark Levin. Uh, OAN has covered it. Uh, Newsmax with uh, Greg Kelly has covered it. I've always had a good relationship with Newsmax, so I know I'm going to be continuing to do things uh, with them. It's really you know, just certain outlets and certain people. And uh, it's very unfortunate, but no, I'm going to listen. I'm a really hard worker at the end of the day. That's how I got where I was and where I will be again. And uh, in the absence, maybe of some of the really big, heavy hitting interviews, I'm just going to go out and do small podcasts. I'm going to do AM radio. I'm gonna, I'm just going to keep telling my story until finally people listen and, and get it and understand that what's happening 
uh, is unacceptable. It cannot be accepted. It cannot be tolerated. And again, this is not about defending people who behaved horribly and criminally and violently. That's not what it is. I'm talking about people who are being put on terrorism lists for nonviolent misdemeanor charges for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And we on the conservative side of the aisle are doing absolutely nothing to support these people. And it's just the beginning of what is going to be uh, an ongoing process of demonizing and destroying conservatives if we don't stand up now and stop this. Well, and, you know, not only do we need to to, to speak up to stop this, but we need to find out who is behind this and yeah. make sure that the power that they have is taken away from them. Whoever is working at places like the FBI, uh, th- these places are funded by American taxpayers. The good people who went there on January 6th fund the FBI, uh, fund the bloated federal government. If we do not drain the swamp, if we don't get busy uh, and go to war with bloated government, um, we're going to have more of this. We'll all uh, be uh, worried about what comes out of our mouths uh, and which what, what we what we say um, ought not to be scrutinized in the way that it's been. It's just an extraordinary thing in America to be living this yes. way. Uh, Look, it's a joy to know you're out there, Brandon Strzok. God bless you. Thank you. To be continued. Thank you, Eric. And I do want to say, in these crazy times, um, because listening to Brandon Strzok's story uh, today, we finished that story, uh, I I just want to say that we all need to do something. So the question yeah. is what? Well, the first thing you need to do is ask Jesus into your life. You don't need to know the details. Okay. It's not, it's not, I'm not telling you to just open yourself up to lunacy, but we need the God who created the universe, who created you and who has a plan for your life wants to guide you. Um, and we've talked about, I write about that in my books, in my book, Miracles, in my book, Is Atheism Dead? I write about it a lot, but that's the most important thing. But the other thing is that um, just to ask God, what do you want me to do today? But uh, as some of you know, if you go to mystore.com, uh, most of my books are available there with the code Eric, but we also have the Bonhoeffer poster available. It's a gorgeous poster. And I think it will inspire you. The quote, which um, you can say that I came up with the quote because it's not officially attributable to Bonhoeffer, but it says silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. So uh, I saw a movie the other day called Mr. Jones. I think you can get it on Hulu. Uh, But when when people look the other way, when there's evil, the Bonhoeffer story is the classic story, but this happened in Stalin's Russia. We need to know that we're living in such a time as they were or the beginnings of such a time. And we have to fight. We don't have an excuse because we have those stories to look back at. And the Bonhoeffer poster, I think, is a good uh, reminder that this man uh, was willing to do whatever was necessary for God's purposes to speak the truth. Solzhenitsyn's another one, but the Bonhoeffer poster has that quote uh, on it. You can get it at mystore.com. You can also go to mypillow.com, use the code Eric. You can go to nutramedics.com, use the code Eric. But to get the poster, go to mystore.com. I encourage you because I, do, I just think 
we need to be uh, inspired. And Bonhoeffer is the ultimate inspiration. Thanks for listening. Right. Oh, yeah.